G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, subshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. And that kind of that kind of uh, pulls me into my, my next point because I really wanted to get to it looking at it because I'm, uh, I guess a bit of a preamble is that, uh, is that, one of my one of my favorite articles that I wrote was uh, the the admission uh, the admission for success and looking at um, you know kind of being into in, even in the conversation of success before you even achieve it you know there's so many markers we have to give up for you know just simply the contention and I was looking at you know the way you you interact with younger athletes even to to kind of mold and guide them to the pro field when they have that goal and obviously then into your book as well I I wrote in regards to um, the way we look at the uh, high school data in, in terms of the, the number of people who actually succeed. We look at the, the data from the high school level to the collegiate level to go to the pro status and the numbers and the rate of shrinkage and dropout at each different level. So, you know, your, your peewee footy, your, your high school level, then from high school to if you even bothered going to collegiate, then from collegiate, obviously to, to your pro status. And then inside that, again, staying at the pro status, the, the, the thing that always intrigues me is the ones who are, you know, the high school king, like they're the, you know, the, the QB and stuff in the average high school or, you know, in their, in their sort of region, they're nothing but blow smoke up their ass from their, their community, their town. It's a lot more dominant in America than it is in Australia, but you see like, you know, the whole town gets behind this QB or the, the wide receiver, the running back is like that pro he's the guy going, you know, he's playing triple a ball. It's like, okay, cool. Then he goes to that next level and it's like, he gets checked. And he drops out or like, you know, the ego can't handle it. He's not quite as good as he thought. Or he's in that environment of other people who are so good that he's not a standout anymore and just can't really handle it. The, the, the question, I guess, going from that is what is the thing you see in the youngsters that do make it and how they handle, I guess, that pressure? Because having the big goals, I've had that goal myself going from like, you know, grade school into high school um, to senior year and then on to trying to get contracts. It's like, what, what do you see is that, the i guess the winning tool the winning trait that gets that youngster from i'm just a high schooler to being tom brady yeah so um if you look at the model um one day believe it or not it's funny so i've been running this model for about 15 years with athletes really high, yeah, probably less than that i mean maybe, maybe it was at least being tested and i felt it was good for at least a decade Right. Thousands of kids getting through the model, mind, body, spirit, the whole thing, train, fuel, recovery, the whole thing. And I met a guy named Simon Bowen from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was with him in New York at a con- at a seminar. He spoke. And uh, here's a little trick for everybody. Um, if you have very good awareness, the speaker is going to get bomb- if the speaker's good, he's going to get bombarded with a bunch of people asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, he was getting hammered with questions. It was crazy. And I knew he was in New York and he only had to go, you know, probably 15 to 20 miles away to the airport, maybe even less than that. It was probably 10 miles away. Well, 10 miles in New York is an hour and a half drive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I came up to him and said, Hey, I know you're busy. We got to make sure we catch your flight. Um, You know, we got to talk about your ride. So he comes over and he's like, they're going to get a cab. They felt bad. They didn't want to put him in that. I said, listen, I'm going to drive you. So you don't have to worry about where you're going to go. Cause they want to make sure you're good. So are you sure that's going to put you out? It's three hours. I said, look, 
So the worst thing that happens is, is I have an hour and a half by myself and an hour and a half with somebody that I admire. So I had an hour and a half in a car with somebody that I'm going to, you know, that I could not afford coaching from. Right. So, yeah, well done. So, so he's like, you know, he's like, Hey, cool. So we went to dinner first and then I got to drive him. So I got to drive this out. And we literally wrote out on a napkin in the model and on the model, right. If you look at the overlap, right. There, there was, you know, mind, body, spirit on the outer layers. There was train, fuel, recover. It was mastery, image, confidence, and then passion, purpose, and principle, right? Everyone needs to have a passion for what they want to achieve. They need to have a, per uh, they need to have a purpose behind it so that there's like their deep why, but then they need to have principles because you will fall back. You will cheat. You will cut corners if you don't have that. So in those gaps between the little leafs between that overlap between mind and body or uh body and, and and spirit or you know um or or spirit and uh mind and there's these overlaps there's these leafs and there was he goes these are the your he goes your your model is 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 empty and i'm like what do you mean he goes here are the three areas that every parent is struggling with their kids and that is exactly what you're trying to create because if you could create that, you'll never lose an athlete ever again. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, what is this? He goes, every parent wants their kid to have drive, mm -hmm. right? So between body and mind, it's like your mental, like fortitude to work through yeah. things, your ability to have persistence, your ability to be mentally tough. That's the drive, right? And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. He goes, every parent wants their kid to kind of come up to the plate, right? And they're in this kind of state. What is that for you? I was like, that's just, for me, it's what we would call peak state. And yep. it's actually a, a position of calm. Yep. It's this idea that like, I know I'm ready, right? Mm -hmm. It's like knowing the preparation was done beforehand. So it's like, oh man, they want that. They want the look. They want to be able to look from the stand, see outside and go, okay, man, he's prepared. He knows exactly what he needs to do. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trying to do. He knows exactly what he needs to do in that yep. state. And he's ready to go. Boom. You know? And then the last thing is this kind of like mind and spirit. It's like this overlap of character. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, you want to be of a sound mind and of sound character. Right? So there's an ethical way to approach performance. And then there's a one that's unethical. By the way, unethical strategies for performance win almost every time. They just don't stay at the top for long. Yeah. yeah. The cheaters win. There's a reason why they try to cheat. 100%. Some of the most successful people are people that cut corners to get to the top, except their success didn't last long. It was shortcutted yeah. because they took a shortcut and it got under uncovered. The most successful people with a long duration are people that did it the right way. Mm-hmm. And normally the right way is the hardest way because it's yeah. showing up every single day, stacking 1% changes over time. And that's what separates you from everybody else. So it was literally developing the drive for an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. It was developing peak state and a sense of calm. Mm -hmm. And it was literally my mission in life, teaching life lessons through sports, which is developing their character. Mm-hmm. That's what we were doing. So the kids that have the most success are the kids that we could actually, with everything we do, 
try to find a way to develop one of those three traits. Those are the ones that end up making it. Those are the ones that have success because what happens is, is when you start looking at an athlete that has the jitters, well, it's probably because he doesn't have, uh, he's not in a peak state. He's not in a sense of calm. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's created, he has anxiety. So he's created now two problems. The first problem that he's dealing with and the problem that he's thinking about. So now there's another one. So that sense of anxiety starts to lock him up and gives him the jitters, right? In baseball, they call it the yips. Like a lot of guys, they say they choke under pressure, whatever your, whatever your, you know, they call it ring rust for people that have been out and then they come back in, whatever your terminology is, we all know what it is. It's basically an athlete that's not mentally prepared for whatever stress that they're about to handle. Mm-hmm. So if I could constantly put him in a state of like calm because he's comfortable in that environment Every single thing that I'm doing is trying to create an environment to where he has the confidence to perform at his best. Then we're good. When things get hard, they know that that's when it's going to get good. They put their head down. That's drive. Mm -hmm. That means that they're doing it autonomously. They don't need some motivation. Yeah. They need discipline. Mm -hmm. Now I believe motivation is critical to develop momentum. Mm-hmm. But then the momentum needs to be carried by the principles and the habits that you develop. Yes. So that's what takes place. And that right there is your drive because you're waiting for it to get hard. That's when it's going to get good. And then when you're battle tested, right? Either when things are going really, really bad, you try to take a shortcut, you try to do the wrong thing, you try to break someone's legs, whatever it may be, that's a lack of character, mm-hmm. right? You don't have enough money. You want to start slinging drugs, whatever it may be, making the wrong decisions in life, mm-hmm. right? That's a that's a that's a flaw in your character. Now, man, we're all flawed men, so that, let's separate this for a second. I'm not talking about us being perfect. We are all flawed men, but that doesn't mean that we don't live by a code that tries to represent us in a way in which we feel like we want to be perceived, right? Yep. So then, that's the shortcut. The other way is. A lack of character is when you get to the top and you feel like you still need that edge. Then there's plenty of things that could be done to give yourself that edge. And that's a very tough place to be. Mm-hmm. Because once the, once you're at the top, then, right, the magnifying glass is on you. When yeah. you're not at the top, it's easy to cheat because no one sees no it. No one's looking, yeah, but yeah. When at the top, that's when you start trying to figure out backdoor strategies. So then that's actually more malicious. That has basically malicious intent. Mm-hmm. Those are very scary people. People that can basically present a certain, you know, uh, facade and on the back of it has a malicious intent between their drive. Those are scary things. So every time that we have success or making progress with an athlete, we're circling back and going, okay, hey, are we developing calm, peak state, flow state? Are we developing drive, a sense of autonomy, the mm-hmm. ability to develop persistence? Mm-hmm an individual nature of accountability and are we developing character? And if we're doing those things, I guarantee you that athletes are going to be put in a better position than if he wasn't doing that. And if he doesn't play sports, I'm confident that those three traits will carry them in those other areas that he wants to go through in life and be successful. Man, it's so good you say that because one of my, one of my favorite movies of all time, and I watched it back to front inside out is coach Carter. And the fact that he drives into his students so much, like, uh, so, um, Samuel Jackson's character, Carter, obviously Dan Carter, when he drives into his, 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 the teachers that are challenging him, the the fans and the parents is that we are student athletes. 
the the dropout rate of suburban life for the the average African American is a certain uh, certain amount. The likelihood of these men going on to play to college to get a degree is a certain amount. He's like, if the the likelihood of them playing the NBA is the reason we're basing all this on what we're doing here, then they're not going to make it because the likelihood is very low. The fact is, we should be priming these young men to not only just be like pro athletes and have a plan A and and go you know, to either NBA or nothing or or sling and crack on the streets. We need to mold them into young men that can shape their communities, that can achieve something, that can have drive beyond the field and court that they're in, because that's how we know we've succeeded. Is that you know the average the 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 number of teams versus the number of people trying to make the NBA or the NFL or gridiron or, or hockey or soccer is ridiculous. So if your only premise is build an athlete and nothing more, you're setting them up to fail when they don't inevitably make it. If you're able to create an athlete that is able to take the talents and the abilities, the disciplines, the skills, the the routines and habits and apply it to the rest of their life through character and ethics and values, you get a young man or young woman that can inevitably reach any form of success to start despite the court or the field. You know, you, you've graduated from, you know, whatever university you go into, you might be at Texas or AMU, you've graduated, though you didn't go pro ball or pro soccer or play pro gridiron or hockey, you can now take those talents and that those skills that you've learned and apply it to the office, the courtroom, the the bar. You can apply it to you know starting your own business, a, a, a corporate entity, whatever it is you're trying to do. You can take those things because you've learned through character and building values and ethics as a, as a as an athlete, not just simply winning is everything and that's all I've got to do. Don't get me wrong, I love winning, but building building you as a person along the way to winning should be more important than just whether or not you win. That's how we sustain character and our values and morals and the the congruence of of our values and goals so that when you leave the sport inevitably, because even if you do go pro, there's a day you have to retire, there's that next step, that next stage where, okay, onto my second life or my new life, this next life that I have beyond the court, field, arena, ring, whatever it is, I'm going to be a morally sound, ethically correct, well-aligned, successful individual based on my merit as a person, not whether or not I won on the ring, right? Like that sounds to me exactly what you're trying to build, which is why, um, you know, it clicks so so quickly, like having such a love for Coach Carter and what he was trying to do there. It's something I try and foster in most of my athletes or clients is that regardless of what your result is, we're also trying to build these habits, these lifestyles, these values. You know, if you've seen any of Matt's stuff, you know, it's purpose, consistency, intensity. I can tell you that about everything. Everything has to have a purpose. You have to have a purpose greater than yourself, greater than your traumas, greater than your struggles. You have to apply it with intensity. There needs to be an intent to what you're doing, an intensity in the gym, an intent in your dietary choices, in your decisions on the weekend, decisions at the in the gym, in your sport, whatever. And it needs to be consistently applied. Those values I live by myself, and I can show you the the successes along the way that I built from living that way as a person. Not because I just won and I'm an arrogant dick, but because you know these are the values that I live by, and I embrace them, and I try to teach them to my clients so that they're applied across all realms of their life. If you can do that, you take purpose, consistency, intensity implied in whatever domain you're in, the chances of some form of success, whether it's just that you lost 10 kilos or you got that new PB on a powerlifting meet or you got that condition of body fat, but also did you finish a uni degree? Do you have a promotion at your job? Do you have a new relationship? Are you financially sound and you bought property and you got a house and you paid off your car? The the cross-cultural response I find from those traits or those uh, the disciplines we've learned affect everything. Like it, it just enhances the other stuff. And it, it's, it sounds like that's what you're building in these young men, even to whether or not you go pro, the likelihood is that by building that, you're building a foundation to be pro. And what's fascinating is 
every single day you show up that way, you represent your brand. Exactly. And what's interesting about all of your clients, what's interesting about people that are going to seek out, you know, coaches like yourself is that everybody wants to, to, to learn. They want to be pushed. They want progress. Right. And oftentimes the gap between where they are and where they could kind of achieve is so far that they ended up losing motivation. Yeah. But the principles in which you're teaching are attached to every action in their day. Mm -hmm. So you can, it's really, sometimes it's hard to motivate people by their goals because their actual ideal body composition today to where they're trying to achieve, there's such a far gap, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And they don't see that. They see that as so much pain and shit that they're going to have to go through. But the principles which you live by, those are daily decisions. Yep. Those daily decisions, every single decision can be attached to that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take away the athlete's success on the field if they aren't a good person. We watch movies of people that are piece of shit human beings yeah, all, yeah. all the time. Yeah. We praise these actors for all of these things. And then we don't realize, you know, that in their own life that they're a wreck. But yeah. we love them and we idolize them. And yet, you know, in sport, they have guys that have rap sheets that you know longer than you know some of the articles that you wrote. Yeah, and we idolize them. We look up to them for something that they could do on a field with a stick and a ball. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is when you start looking up to people like that, and you're chasing that. What will happen is, is if you do all of the things they do and you follow that path, you'll find them out. And it's one of the scariest things for people in an authoritative place to be is to be found out. When you reach behind the curtain and you, and you look behind it and it's the wizard of Oz, you're no longer scared anymore. Yeah. So all of these big bad wolf, all of these people that are pumping their chest and saying that there's something, let me tell you something, you pull behind the curtain of their life. It ain't pretty. Every single day, you know, I got, I got to answer to my wife on how I show up the, during that day. Every single day in regarding, you know, what I do, I got to answer the man upstairs. Every single day on the things that I do, I got to actually answer to myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you start layering, lying to other people, when you start layering, lying to God or, or, or an entity that you maybe view as um, a, a higher power, mm-hmm. and then when you start lying to yourself, mm-hmm. You're slowly, slowly, one habit at a time, getting further away from what you're trying to accomplish. And who you are as a person. So I always put lighthouses in my life. You know, that's the way I look at it. I grew up on the water, so I like boats. I like to be on on the water and I like to go. So I'm sure we'll have a good time when I get to see you. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so you got to look at it like, what is a lighthouse's job? The lighthouse's job is the lighthouse knows where it is. Mm -hmm. And its job is to protect you from the rocks. Mm-hmm. So I have a lighthouse for my financial part of my life, right? I have a lighthouse for uh, training, nutrition, health. Mm-hmm. I have a lighthouse for my integrity, right? How I show up in the world, my wife, right? On a regular basis, right? I have a lighthouse for my example and my actions and my behaviors. That's my son, mm-hmm. right? Because the easiest way to teach children, the easiest way to teach children is not by sitting down with them and showing them, not sitting down with them and talking to them, not 
standing on a, on a pedestal and presenting. I got to talk at Swiss, one of the biggest honors in our sports performance coaching industries conference. My son, who's five years old, and my wife are in the back of the audience getting to watch me. My son is the only kid at that entire conference. It just so happens to be that our family has a close relationship with Ken Kanakin, who runs it. Mm -hmm. So he was welcome to come. And he sat in the back of the room. My five-year-old that admires his dad, hopefully, got to see me present in front of hundreds of people. That's awesome. Wowing them and having a good old time. He fell asleep. <laughs> you know what the little kid said? He told mommy, yeah, the show is boring. <laughs> I was like, well, my overall goal in life is to watch my son see me presenting on a, on a big stage. It was wonderful. And he falls asleep and he goes, yeah, the show is boring. But you know what's not boring? You know what's not boring is teaching by doing. Yeah, yeah. My wife works out five days a week. She trains more consistently than I do. Mm -hmm. She eats fantastic. She lives a very good lifestyle and it's very clear. Her actions are going to be the driver of the lessons. My actions are going to be the driver of the lessons. Mm -hmm. The easiest way to teach people is to do. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to sit back and just talk crap. Hey, your technique's bad. This is where you need yeah, to go yeah. to your elbow. You know, it's really, oh, you want to do this? Like, listen, you'll never see me teach a pose. That ain't happening, right? <laughs> but I can, teach, I can teach almost every lift. And the reason why is not because I, I not because I could lift as much weight as you're lifting right now. It's because I've been there. I've done that. I've been underneath the mm -hmm. bar. Mm -hmm. I know what you are feeling and where you need to go. Mm -hmm. And those are where I'm able to make my, my adjustments. Coaches nowadays are not willing to kind of, you know, put their boots on the ground, put their hand in the dirt and get work done. Yep. You know, it's, it's pretty scary. If you go grab a young coach and they look at that white stuff on the bar and they're like, what's that? Like, that's yeah. scary. Get away yeah. from them. Right. So the easiest way to teach somebody is to learn by doing. Mm -hmm. So the example is critical. So now, your athletes and your clients that you work with may have different goals than, than the lifestyle in which you embody. And that's perfectly fine. Cause you might be able to help them. Right. Mm -hmm. I had an NFL corner in here today. He's six, four and he's a cornerback in the NFL. It's probably one of the hardest positions outside of quarterback to play. Mm -hmm. I could never cover what he covers. I can never do what he does. He's coming to me for a very specific yeah. uh, issue that I'm one of the best in the world at. And that's what I'm trying to help him with. Mm -hmm. And he knows that. And I know that I'm not over here trying to do something that I'm not uh, competent in. Exactly right. But my habits are embodied. My habits embody the principles in which you, which you talked about. Mm -hmm. And that's why people like we talked about in the beginning of this call will be attracted to you. They will show up at your doorstep all because you hold the world in which you are around the people that you keep by a certain standard and that's the difference you know what i mean yeah exactly right and it's 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 something i found like at first i was a bit hesitant about it, almost taken back by it but the interest in our branding our business our coaching really took off after winning the the title that i won at my um at our state show like a state level uh, competition the it was almost like it was almost like the because of COVID and stuff, we haven't been able to do so many comps over here. It's like, it's very been very shut down in terms of like competitions. So it's been hard to back up, you know, like playing NFL, like playing basketball, playing rugby league. There's a week to week game. 
So you can kind of show off your skills. You know, every week you're getting to show off what you can do and you, you're winning or losing, getting better, reassessing, going back, watching film, watching tape training. For bodybuilding, obviously it's like a six-month process. You know, we live the lifestyle, but the real spotlight is a six-month process that culminates for 10 minutes on stage. So because sure. there's been so lack of time frames, you know, it was like this, this real uh, interesting moment where, you know, we just did a big documentary and we paid a, a guy to follow us for the week leading up to the show to capture everything, what it meant to me, what it's been like everything like we got full deep with it um and give a real inside scoop and it was like once that was able to be correlated from my words to my actions then people were like oh this guy backs up what he says or he lives by his what he preaches and his values align with the actions he actually has though i've done it every day for four or five years it was that that almost live presentation or reflection that i do it that people like oh, i actually want to be around this guy or i want to be you know i want to be spoken to by him i want to question him i want to see what he knows though I didn't learn anything new inside the prep itself and I've prepped before I've competed before it was like that win or that present that 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 so openness and being transparent and discussing everything on my social medias the YouTube and all that sort of jazz the podcasts people are like oh I want to I want to be around that now I've seen the results I've seen the action in person I've seen the results from his other clients obviously but you know he also lives by it and now they're you know where they're drawn to that or what have you but that was an interesting moment for me where I was like, you know, we've spent so long trying to build my branding on intellect, brain, not just physical appearance, but the physical appearance plays a part of it. And people are seeing that I live by the actions, seems our sport is physical appearance based. I presented the fact that I live by my actions, right? Like that's, they they kind of took that on. I'm like, I, I guess they've, they've seen that and gone, well, that's what I want. He lives by what he says. Because it's easy, like you said, to be a coach that's never been in the waters and actually learned to swim. You can stand on the sideline and tell me how to stroke and breathe at the same time, but if you've never been in the water and cut a 50 meter lap, like, you know, it's pretty hard to take what you have to say seriously. You know, I, I never think that a coach has to be, you know, I don't ever, like the argument I make is that Usain's Bolt, Usain Bolt's coach isn't the fastest sprinter in the world before he was, but he's going to be, have something very specific about him that makes him a great sprint coach, but you still need to be in the field of work. You need to have done it. You know, you, you need to be able to be able to explain it or empathize when it shit gets hard. Your coach knows something about it. Like he's been there, he's in the trenches, he's done it. There's there's some conversation there where I know that you've been a part of it. And I guess that was a similar premise for me is getting off the stage and all of a sudden these inquiries shoot up, the inbox goes up and everyone's like, hey, I want to work. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I would I would use Johan Blake's coach as an example versus- uh, <laughs> Lucy again? <laughs> Just, I, 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 I would do that. That is the current fastest athlete on the planet and second fastest athlete. <laughs> And the guy who took Usain Bolt's track record on Usain Bolt's track in Jamaica. That's who I, I did. I did see Just, that in his um in his data check. Was it 2011? He got the 200 meter off him. Uh, and uh, and the hundred, he, he beat him in the hundred. Uh, <laughs> That's phenomenal. World It's not a bad record to have on your belt. <laughs> yeah, he beat him in the hundred world championships. But one of the greatest athletes of all time, and one of the greatest people I've ever uh, had a chance to be around. So, but um, to your point people are going to be attracted to authenticity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when they watched you go through the process, it became authentic because the outcome is so like, it's so out there, right? Mm -hmm. It's so impossible. Yeah. That you got to be doing something. There's a secret sauce. You got to be like, there's no way that like, you're just on that stage for a certain period of time Mm -hmm. looking like that. You Mm -hmm. ain't like that for six straight months. No, fuck no. You know what I mean? And just so people know, that's not really healthy. No, not at all. Not at so, all. So despite what people think in the process, yeah. 
It is very interesting. Um, you know, but they got a chance to peek behind the curtain and then they got authenticity. Mm -hmm. And when they got authenticity, they wanted to grab it and they want to see more. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're able to do is you're able to give them an inside look and behind yeah. the scenes, when behind the scenes is better than what is on, um, you know, display, mm -hmm. you're thinking, man, how, how do I be involved in that? How do I get to do it? And that's, what's fascinating about training. So I get to, I talk about concepts that are, more on the philosophical side yep. because I believe that if you develop principles that are aligned with what your goals are and your actions basically will create, you know, outcomes that you need, then we're good. Mm -hmm. I don't need to talk a lot about the training. Yep. Well, because number one, even if I gave you all the fucking answers, most people aren't willing to do it. It's a lot of hard work. It's not easy. Okay. Number two, I actually don't think it's that complicated. No, I know that I'm not talking to a child when I speak to an audience, but apparently if you go on Instagram and social, the people that go viral are speaking to at a, at a childlike approach. Right. Yep. And that is sometimes harder for me to kind of break down. You have a, you know, a very high, um, high vocabulary in, in nutrition and in science your probably nutritional biochemistry is very, very strong. Your ability to understand kinesiology and biomechanics, probably very, very in depth. And that goes over the top of a lot of people. Oh yeah. Right? yeah. But when you work with someone practically, you learn a language of dealing with um, what's going to get them the fastest way to get them to the success. So there's a group of people that basically dumb it down and that's all they know. Right. They're able to dumb it down because they're actually not that far away from where their audience is and yeah. they gain the traction. And then there's a group of people that are super smart. They're really, really good at the books. They do a great job at the lecture. They look the part. They're able to say all these fancy words. And there's a huge gap between where they are intellectually and where their their potential client athlete or avatar is. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they look up to them as like their God. But when they watch them do their stuff, they're not that far away because practically speaking, they're not that good. Yeah. They have they don't really put the time in. And unfortunately, in our day and age, these are the two types of people that gain popularity. Mm -hmm. These are the two types of people that have the ability to go viral. So I feel like you, myself, and many other people that we respect and that are doing the work that nobody even knows about have an obligation to put that out there because if they're not going to work with you, they're going to work with someone else. And that's way more likely for them not to inherit the values in which you actually share and show up with every single day. And they're just going to get a great body composition, but they're not going to fix what's on the inside. Yeah. Or they're just going to get great performance outcomes, but they're not going to change their story. Like you were able to change that guy's life. That's what I'm after is the athlete journey. Because when I work with an athlete, my goal is to hit that first peak. So I want to take them from where they are here to hit this first achievement. I want to get to that first mountain so that everybody in the world goes, man, that's the best athlete in the world. That's the Michael Jordan of what they do. He's reached it. He's a pro bowler. He's a world champion. He's a, he's a medalist in the Olympics. And then because they built that platform and they have great values, they're willing to kind of go through that kind of valley of despair and reach that second mountain, which is my purpose, which is basically... I want someone to find their telos, which stands for man's higher purpose. Mm -hmm. 
what is your higher purpose in life? Use your first achievement, your first great mountain that you hit in your life to develop the thing that you're doing for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. That is legacy. That's a difference. So what I'm trying to achieve is basically tap into someone's telos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's what I'm So it's like oh man, it's so it's so many directions that conversation can go. Like the the amount of work I've done I'm reading on people like Frederick Nietzsche and I look at people like Carl Jung and I I dive into these people and these stoics and things like that. That we look at the the higher purpose, the higher existence. Um, you know, we look at you know things like um uh Victor Victor Frankl, we look at man's search for meaning, all sure. these people and the way they write things like the 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 greatest thing for me or the greatest sense of achievement is is less about so much the client's performance and more about have the, have we unlocked something that they are so passionate about like when i when i get going on like client sales or or, or consults or, or like just our check-ins our catch-ups i generally have to over schedule myself because i get so carried away being so excited talking about it because like every day i get to do this shit where i'm taking people and being like look you know you, you said 10 kilos was your goal but really when we dive into your relationship, your life, your career, your ambitions, it's not the 10 kilo goal. It's this thing up here. This is what we're working towards. It's just that you wanted this first. We can get that, but I want to see you go here. I want to see this shit succeed. And when yeah. I see clients achieve that, that next level, you know, whether it be in their physique, but then alongside it, you know, they're also investing in property. They're paying off debts. They're graduating degrees. You know, I've got students now, uh, clients now that are finishing master's degrees. It's like, you came to me for physique. But we took all that, you know, that discipline, that education, we took a, the the ethics, the values, the the principles, and we've unlocked something like you wanted more deep down. And I find this to be true for a lot of people. I don't know if you, you've sort of seen it, but if you ask a group of, say, 20 people, and on the weekends, they usually get drunk and they drink up and they party and they, they sort of chill about life. You know, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, you know, I want to do a trade, have a kid, have a house, retire and live on the beach. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Take them in isolation. What do you want out of life? Why are you here? And what's the thing that you want to achieve? All of a sudden, when there's no one around them and they're free to say what they actually, you know, as a kid, what did you want? Well, you know, I want to be a pro bowler. I want to be a pro basketballer. or run a business, be a CEO. It's like, okay, cool. There's something more here that you wanted to do. It's just that in the group, you're scared to say it because you fear the fear that they're going to pull you back down. But as we know, when you read Nietzsche's uh, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, the way he describes uh, the herd and the Superman the the fact is that when we stand out from the crowd and we try something great the the crowd or the herd if you will want to pull you back down because of security for them they check their ego by checking yours it keeps them feeling safe and sound and secure and you know i'm i'm comfortable in the herd because you know no one's challenging me but i don't want to see someone else go out and do what i do or couldn't do or couldn't achieve because that makes me have to look internally and say well how did someone from my stock get up there but i couldn't get there and that to me is like the one of the coolest parts is unlocking that where I want you out of the herd. We don't want to be in the herd. Why do you want to be under the bell curve when you have 80 years of life here? Everyone's doing the same shit day in, day out. Do you really want to have that cubicle job or do you want to start a business or you want to be a, a Navy SEAL or a fucking special forces or, you know, in the police, you want to be an elite sportsman, whatever it is. Did you really want that cubicle job nine to five for the next 50 years? I don't think so. And when you take them in that isolation, you say, look, and Dr. Dr. Peterson talks about it a lot. He's like, when you're setting goals and you're setting like, you know, that, that next progressive step, most people have never been asked what they want and told they can have it. When we take these athletes, we take these people and say, look, I have the tools. You've come to me. I can give you what you want, but you better fucking, you better have a map out for it. You better have a plan. Like you have better mapped out exactly what you want to achieve. 
and we're going to get you there. And then all of a sudden, once that's unlocked, it's like, there's so much more under the surface. Like, oh, you thought it was just about a 10 kilo body weight loss, or, you know, you thought it was just that first PB in your lift. Reality is it's this whole extra step here that we're unlocking that now you have because you're willing to step out and challenge yourself and put yourself in those environments and kind of just culminate everything we've talked about, you know, build those, those values, those principles, have those ethics, have the, the principles and the purpose that you're trying to achieve something. Once you start, I find it so hard to stop. I can't stop myself. Once I start on the road of self-development, business development, education. That's a good thing. Don't let it stop. Don't do that. Don't stop. That's a good thing. Completely agree. Like I keep being told like things like, you know, Oh, don't burn yourself out make sure you've got downtime for yourself. I'm like, why the fuck are you trying to limit someone's desire to achieve something and say, Oh, you know, pull yourself back down. Why? What are you basing that on? What's your, my definition of balance is it fucking doesn't exist. I'm, if, if I want to be elite at something and I want to succeed to the degree of say yourself, where I want to be talking on world stages to world athletes, to world CEOs, I can't be like, Oh, you know what? Nine to five, I'm going to work on matter. And then Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to get drunk. And then at nighttime, I'm going to have dinner and eat some pizza and go to bed. That's not giving me a pro bodybuilding career. It's not giving me a professional business. It's not giving me my university master's degree. None of that. But that's apparently balanced by the socially normal standard. And that's what people use to sort of anchor you back. Like, you know, don't be an outlier. Don't be different. Make sure you rest and recover. I despise people that are balanced work for people that are completely out of balance because the people that are out of balance are in balance with their priorities. That's the difference. Balance is about strategic priorities. It's that I've analyzed what I want in my life. One, two, and three, Mm -hmm. four, five, and six, seven, eight, nine, whatever it may be. But I work on my day based upon those percentages. Mm Mm-hmm. And your goal in life is to be as aligned with your ambitions that you are with your actions. Your actions every single day need to be aligned with your ambition. Mm-hmm. You know, so every single thing, every action you have need to be aligned with your ambition. And the best way to do that is that one, two, and three are compounding in nature. Mm-hmm. They're not linear. They're compounding, meaning if I work on one, two becomes easier. If I work on two, three becomes easier. If I work on one, two, and three, four becomes like not just easier, but it becomes irrelevant. And five becomes bigger than all of them because it's just part of my day. Yeah. And with you working with general population, there's a, it's a spoken arrangement around what you can accomplish Mm -hmm. with working with athletes. It's an unspoken truth. I am going to train you. And as a byproduct, I'm going to infect you with our level of standards in our environment. And then these things are going to potentially be your outcomes, right? I have athletes that I want to achieve legacy money with Mm -hmm. because it becomes different. They've already got FU money. Now we have to create legacy money because they've already made it. We've worked you know, over the years. And now it's like, how can I keep you in the league? How can I give you the chance to where you get to go out on your own? So that's that's a little different because what you you get to actually talk them through it. We have to do it as a byproduct. And that's mm-hmm. a little bit hard, right? The other thing to think about is when you're in those kind of echo chambers with other people and it pollutes the air, mm-hmm. like you talk about your friends or people that you think like you, they pollute the air. Because I'm going to leave you with this last thing is in fight sports, you show up, right? And that guy might be trying to punch you in the face, choke you out, or break your break your break your arm, right? That mm-hmm. might be what's trying to happen. But you know, I'd come in the locker room and I'm like, 
I had a rough week. I was doing two a days. I hit my, you know, lift. I go and do some training. I have to go coach, but I also, you know, I got to get my, my role in. I'm coming back from my second role of the day. I'm on the mats. I get in the locker room. I get, I, you know, throw my cup on, I'm getting on the mats. And I, you know what, in my head, I made a decision that said, all right, I'm going to go a little light today. I'm going to make it a little easier on myself. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of get this in. This is what I kind of want. Well, Somebody else who hasn't been doing two a days, who's not in a fight camp, who he basically came in with the agenda of, I'm gonna fuck Cav up today. Today's yeah. the day I get to. The day's the day I get to put it on him. Yeah. And 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 that's the day that it's like, oh, I gotta work through that because he, I, I'm fighting a different agenda. I have my agenda. He's he has his agenda. We're fighting different agendas. Mm-hmm. But with group of people that don't have your best interests at heart, you create what's called a silent agreement. I hit you as hard as you hit me. I go as hard as you go as hard as, as we roll, right? If we start rolling, we could go as hard as we can, or we could take it easy. And then I feel that you took it easy a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And now that I feel that you took it easy a little bit, I'm going to, I'm going to go off a little bit. Right. And then like, Hey, I could take you here. Or I could, you know, you know, cut the corner on you there and, 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 and put some pressure on you. But because you're not resisting as hard. Oh, I, I could kind of be a little bit nicer. That silent agreement, what that does is automatically take your standard and drops it down. Yeah. It actually removes the manhood out of the environment. 100%. That's a scary place to be. It's a, fucking, it's a scary place to be. When you start taking, when you start place. basically creating, when you start creating silent agreements with people that have lower standards than you, you're getting pulled down. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's uh, yeah. It, the funniest thing, like, funny. Uh, a quick addition to that is we see in the social psychological studies there was a track done, uh, a social science done on track bike work, and they found that the individual uh, biker they would you know, add do all the training, get them around the bike, around the around the track, and try and get them going. They added them to groups, and everyone that they thought was the fastest, or who was the fastest, or what have you, how fast can you be? They put everyone into a group. And had them compete basically to like, you know, get around the course. You're on the same team or what have you, but we're going to track you getting around. And they found the social presence of people who were being better than them or wanting to be better than them and actually challenge them, force them all to level up. It's almost like Goku and Vegeta level of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, they're friends, but at the same time, like when they're fighting each other to try and get better all the time or one up each other, that level of standard is raised, not lowered. They don't go easy on each other. They're not like, oh, you know, let's see how slow you can go around the track. They all were told go as fast as you can. Every single athlete's track time went up. Though there was one winner, every single athlete's uh, track time went up. And this was almost 50 years ago in terms of like sports research. That principle alone, apply that to your fucking life, apply it to your friendships, your relationships, your business. Put yourself in positions where you're around people who want to be better because that will inevitably make you better. The second that you lower your standard of who you're around and you accept half-ass bullshit, you become half-ass bullshit. One of the, one of the difficulties is when you become half-assed, you, when you don't reach the standard in which you want and you, what you feel for yourself, you then resent yourself. Mm-hmm. And then that's where depression and all that stuff oh, leaks yeah. in. So when you're constantly pushing your limit and you're trying to push your limit, what ends up happening is, is you, you feel good about like what oh, yeah. you're trying to achieve. So I do that here. This is what we do with people. So I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been an absolute uh, I appreciate honor. you giving me this much time. Like I, 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 like I said, we could have rambled for hours. So, you know, sorry, sort of it kicked on a little bit longer, but um, you know, to wrap up, um, 
give me a quick a quick synopsis of this book because I'm getting a copy, but where do I find it? What, tell me what it means and kind of like why readers should go, listeners should should get it. Yeah, sure. So years ago, um, I I write books from a legacy perspective, not from a business card perspective. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason: why. a lot of people write a book to kind of create that introduction. I write a book so that I've done work for a long period of time. I, it allows me to then basically say, let me bind this up and put it out to the world. Mm -hmm. So for, you know, decade and now going on two, mm -hmm. I have helped athletes achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was, you know, kind of five areas that an athlete had to kind of have aligned in order to achieve this athletic success that they wanted. Mm -hmm. So the book is called Man Up Yep. because at the end of the day, it's on you. Yep. It's not on anyone else's, right? We want you to level up, but at the end of the day, it's you, right? Um, and people get a little sensitive because it's man. Listen, I have a lot of female athletes that will whoop half the athletes that I know <laughs> that are males. I don't really care. And they, they apply those principles. Mm -hmm. The only ones that get upset about it are the parents or the ones that aren't able to achieve stuff. The average people get upset. I don't listen to those people. They're not my target audience. I, I nothing wrong with them. That's just not who I, it's not who I serve. That's not who I compete with. So I don't want to hang out with you. No offense. Right. So I go to Barcelona, Spain. Uh, I was doing some work and um, I was with Tanya and, Long story short, we're at dinner and, and a guy basically um, was a uh, uh, Spanish guy was basically just throwing basically wine back. And, and he goes, you don't have the balls to do that. I'm like, what? Give me that thing, you know? And it was a little competition and that's what started it. So we built this basically thing and said, okay, you know, what are the five areas? Well, throw some balls, balance, strategic priorities, accountability, right? At the end of the day, you need to be accountable to the actions in which you have. Yep. Because if you're not accountable, you automatically point a finger at someone else. Mm -hmm. Number number three was lust. Mm -hmm. You have to have a strong desire to achieve something. And that early stage is actually lust because you don't know if you love something yeah. unless you early stage enjoy it. Yep. You got to dabble it. You got to yep. be able to touch a few things. You got to be able to kind of try stuff out. You got to be able to experience things. And then frankly, that's a little bit of lust, right? It's the idea of like, I, oh, I there's the, that as the interest before your purpose. And then what happens is, is you'll learn to fall in love with stuff. So mm -hmm. the, the second is for love. And it's, do I have that deep desire to achieve this and put the work in for it? And mm -hmm. if I do, then the S is for sacrifice because if, yes. if I have that, that love for it, I'm willing to give up a lot of other stuff, mm -hmm. you know, um, in high level, uh, sport and high level sport, everybody wants to talk about the cars, the, the watches, the really nice things that everyone but has. About they, the S. they always want to do that, but they never go back and go, Hey, Let's rewind the tape and go, what did these people give up mm -hmm. to achieve greatness? Mm -hmm. What did they really give up to achieve something that everyone said was impossible? Yeah. And all the haters that are now their fans that get yeah. to tell people one story about like, I met them that one time and I knew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or I have tons of people that I beat the crap out of training mm -hmm. that are, they made it. 
hey, listen, I'm not better than them. I was better than them for one practice. I was better than them for one meet. I was better than them back then. Mm-hmm. Those are just notches. Yep. That doesn't matter. They put the work in, mm-hmm. right? Those people that are telling the stories don't matter, right? It's the story that yeah. they write about you, the story that you tell yourself, as we talked about. So what are the things that they give up? Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody has to talk about that while, while they're doing the pizza and the parties and all that drinking and all that stuff. You know, there's some other, you know, I had two drinks all through college. That's it. Two. One was at a wedding. One was at a funeral. That's impressive. Not basic, not great places that you want to have them. Right. But that's what I did. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, I don't enjoy a drink or two. I don't, I I don't have a good time now. Different stage in my life. When I was in a, when I was pursuing a goal of, of athletic achievement, mm-hmm. my ability to laser, laser focus was completely on point. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, you do evolve, you do change. But if you want to achieve something, the first and foremost is you have to have a goal, mm-hmm. right? And then you have to man up and manning up about that process in order to achieve it is to develop a strategy of balance, accountability, loss, love, and sacrifice. I love it. Those are five areas for true to the teeth. Um, I mean, I won't take up much more of your time, but um, where do folks find you? How do they find more of your stuff? Socials, YouTube, website. How do we find you? Yeah, so just go to athletehq.com. It's our website. Um, feel free to reach out there. But if you really want to connect with me, I would say on Instagram, um, go to Coach Cav and it's Coach K A V. Mm-hmm. Um, and reach out to me, say, Hey, I saw you on this, I heard you on this podcast. You know, this is what I got out of it. If you want to do me a favor, if you really want a way to get into, you know, if you're trying to hook up with a girl and you want to slide in the DMS and you want to like lose all my strategies that all these guys know about the best way to do that is to basically say, what is the one thing that you took away from this podcast and leave it a review on Ben's page. You do that. And I guarantee you, he's going to send it to me and I want to make sure I get in touch with you. I appreciate that. I appreciate your time, man. It's uh, uh, finally an, an honor to actually be able to catch up and chat and, and put it in the, you know, face to face. So I'm looking forward to when we can actually make it happen in person, we can get over there or you can get over here and we can, we can connect properly and have a, a good crack at it. I would love to, man. It's an honor. Thank you again so much for your time.